Hey, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show, the podcast that takes a look at the news of the day. We have thoughtful conversations about things that matter, existential threats to the country. We didn't think Donald Trump was. I do think Joe Biden may be. Joining me today is our friend Seth Liebson, host of the Seth Liebson Show, heard daily on KKNT 960 AM in Phoenix. You can hear him online at 960thepatriot.com. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org, presentdangerchina.org. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Seth Liebson, host of The Seth Liebson Show, joins me now. Seth, how are you, man? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too, Bill and Claude. Hello. Good morning. Happy spring. Nice to be with you. Seth, I'm engaging a fallacy here. How many miles are you from the border? Uh, about, uh, my, I did a tour of, with Andy Biggs, actually, of the border and a few other congressmen a couple years ago. It took us about, uh, about two and a half hours drive. So what, 150 miles, maybe? Yeah, roughly. 30 roughly. Miles? Yeah, yeah, roughly, depending on All what right. part you go to. You can get there You can get there in 150 miles. So I don't want to, you know, the audience think you're right there on the border. But you are in Arizona. Yeah, you're a hell of a lot closer than we are. Two questions on the news. I don't know. At least it's on Fox News. Is it making other news on other stations? It looks to be in the papers. It looks to be in the New York Times and USA Today. Is it making on, on other um, on, on on CBS, NBC, ABC, the border? My my sense is it was for about a week to ten days, and then it started to recede significantly and noticeably. Uh, which is not a surprise. I didn't. I, I was surprised how long it lasted. You know, usually our mainstream media likes to. They participate in what I call as the crisis industrial complex, but they don't stay on the crisis very long. They leap pad. They jump from uh, lily pad to lily pad. I was surprised they stayed on it so long. Uh, but I think it is receding now in most other major media. Fox is keeping it alive, and uh, the Republican delegations are keeping it alive. Yeah. You know, it's hard to blame the media for moving on when they can't find anyone in the administration, including those who are most importantly tasked with running the problem, to interview. But why don't they keep beating on that drum? Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, that, yeah. that's an ongoing story. Dale... Day, Day 17 with Vice President Harris, who's been tasked with this, doing nothing. You know? yeah. yeah. You and I wow. used to think maybe we had too romantic a view of the media, but you and I used to think, didn't we, that the media appreciated access and respect. And I think Donald Trump, who certainly gave them ass- access more than any other, probably more transparency than any other, um, they, it, that didn't mean much to them. For all that access, they said he was declaring a war on the media. I can't think of a greater war than on the media than, than, than what's going on right now, just blocking them from entering uh, facilities, blocking them from covering a story. And they show themselves here, don't they, Bill? They're melding their, um, their true views when it comes out that, or one has to conclude, it's not access that interests them. And it's not, um, it's not uncovering government corruption that interests them. It's it's like when Democrats talk about sexual harassment. It's not sexual harassment that bothers them. It's sexual harassment when done by a Republican that bothers them. If it's the governor of Virginia or the governor of New York, nothing to see here. Let's move on. It's not access. It's ideology still at the end of the day, more so than ever before, I think. And so the media is going to give a pass to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and the administration um, after after doing a little bit of due diligence that maybe they can say covers their butts a little bit. 
they have now moved on and given them a complete pass. I don't think there's anyone more embarrassing to this administration, quite frankly, than Kamala Harris. When you think about all all the alarms and excursions during the campaign about what she would mean to young girls who wanted to succeed in this country, what she would mean to people of color who wanted to succeed in this country. And the lesson, best I can tell, that she is um, conveying to these young girls is that if, um, if a fellow partisan is accused of something terrible by nine credible women, keep your mouth shut. Um, if, yeah. uh, if, if you have a humanitarian crisis that is um, ruining upwards of 20,000 children uh, from the worst of the least of these, keep your mouth shut. Maybe sometimes give a cackle to give an excuse to yourself to walk away. Kind of like I might say, don't get me started if asked about sports. But I think she is an increasingly uh, small person who is an embarrassment to an otherwise embarrassing presidency. Yeah, she does seem odd, thin, silly, um, no presence. I, yeah, I, I had it wrong. I thought during the campaign we would see a ton of her and not Biden. We didn't. We saw a little bit of Biden. We didn't see anything of her. Yeah. During the presidency, where she just drops in on things and seems to be of no consequence. This may explain why she sank so quickly in the in the primary season. If she was like one of the first out, she had that opening in Oakland, which was huge, grand apparently, and then from there on, it was downhill. Um, there's something missing there. Yeah, there's a, uh, substance there's a lot gra- of gravitas or something. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. A lot of flash on top. The media loved her. Remember when they went to department stores with her, trying on clothes with her when yeah. she was running for president? Yeah. There's this yeah. weird thing in politics. I know you've run into it a million times in your life, Bill, where you or I or someone might criticize the public performance of a politician. Maybe they don't speak as well as they should. Maybe they're gaff prone. People will say, oh, but one-on-one, they're wonderful. One-on-one, they're just great. And it's my response is, well, then find another profession. (laughs) The one-on-one isn't going to get elected. But it turns out, evidently, the one-on-one, the more you get to know Kamala Harris, evidently, the the less good she is, which is clearly what the Iowa voters understood two years ago. She's not as good as her biography, as you might say. Yeah, I thought, you know, before primary started and they were just talking about who was going to run. I thought she was the most serious contender. Yep, me too. I would have put my money on her. Anyway, uh, anything to add? I mean, it is a very serious crisis. Is it a a catastrophe at the border? Yeah. And it's more, more, more than I think something that affects Texas or New Mexico or California or Arizona. You know, this is why the attorney general of, um, the attorney generals of other states are joining the attorney general's lawsuits here because what happens here doesn't stay here. You know, the drug cartels aren't aren't content to just traffic in Phoenix and Tucson. They're you know, you're yeah. finding you're finding drug cartel material, drugs, illegal substances. You're finding them in, a, in, in all. Well, at least in, in, in the contiguous throughout the contiguous United States. This is a national problem. It is not a border problem. This is a it national comes, yeah, security no, I... problem. It is not a border problem. Why the hell did DHS, pardon my French, scrub from their website the arrest, the detaining of two Yemeni illegal immigrants who are on the terrorism watch list, the FBI terrorism watch list? They touted it on Monday. By Tuesday, the link was down. There is an amazing amount of cover-up going on. Yeah, I've noticed the message lately uh, from border governors uh, 
just saw Governor Abbott is, hey, this isn't just Texas or New Mexico, Arizona. This is coming to your town as well. First of all, they are coming. These kids are coming. Others are coming. And certainly the drugs are coming. I think you're right about that. What What is keeping them from solving this, addressing this? There was some talk in the last couple of days that they might finish pieces of the wall. So I thought, well, if they're going to admit to that, that's pretty. that's a pretty big admission. If you will, what do you call it in law against interest, right? Yeah, statement be against interest or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. That would be sort of conceding that Trump had something right. But my first thought was not about the wall. I said, well, if they're going to do that, why don't they just go to President of Mexico and say, can we reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy? Yeah, it seems to me to be the main the main bulwark against uh, these huge numbers. Do I have that right? Yeah, the Migra Protocol uh, program, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of been surprising. If there's one thing that surprised me, it's the president of Mexico, Manuel Labrador's uh, perspective on all this. I mean, if, if the media stopped yeah. interviewing him because he kept slamming the Biden administration, you know, I, I yeah. that was that was interesting to see. He is putting the blame four square on the Biden administration here. I think it's stubbornness. I think it's a collision. Uh, was it Huxley's uh, point about a, um, a bad fact killing a beautiful theory? Um, they, yeah. they the they tragedy a of a fact killing a theory. Yeah, the tragedy of a fact killing a theory. Yeah. The tragedy of a fact killing yeah. a theory. So the Biden Democratic left has this theory that you know borders are not that important, and everyone who wants to come here is a saint, uh, and if they aren't, we should make them such. And we can afford to also pay for all their needs because that's what a kind and generous country does. That was the theory. Um, the fact is that um, that's not who's coming. Not 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 in, not in the decisive respects. Yeah, yeah. Do matter, and yeah. that walls do matter. Nancy Pelosi understands they, the point of a wall. She has one they, around. Did they want that? Did they want this to happen? Is that? I mean, there's one theory. Just let all these people in. It's more Democrat votes. They're all wearing Biden T-shirt. Did they want this to happen, or did? Or was this a huge mistake, or was it both? They wanted it to happen, and now they're saying, "Oh man, we made a mess." I don't think they wanted it to happen. I think it has taken them off their nut, off their game, off their off their off really. Their stump. I think I think it has. This wasn't a voter time. drive. This was this wasn't a new voter drive. Well, I don't know that they would have wanted that in February or March. I think they want a quiet, long-term voter drive with immigrants. But I, I think that they have created a crisis after inheriting uh, a basic solution to the crisis. The crisis had been quelled, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and so there's no, there's, there's no mistaking. Uh, you know, presidents like to take credit and blame, put the blame for the economy on the previous guy. Take good economic news uh, for themselves. But there is no question where the clock started here on this crisis. There's just no question. So, I think it's thrown them off their agenda. Has it affected, I want to move to some other things, Seth. Is it affecting their credibility and persuasiveness and agenda on other things like the infrastructure bill or their credibility on the situation in Georgia, which I want to talk about? Is it, is it, is it leaking in a way that's hurting them? I think two people have been hurt, two important people. Um, I think Jen Psaki, I think the press secretary, I don't think she's long for the job, little longer than if it were a Republican in that position. But I, I think the press is increasingly, uh, the media is increasingly unimpressed with her. There are better ways to do this. She's not doing it well. And I think the media 
understands what we've been saying about Joe Biden. They just don't want to say it. But I think they know he's out of his out of his water uh, and, and, and that the decline is not insignificant um, and his abilities to maintain, manage and control not only the White House, but the duties of his job uh, are very, very diminished. And, and I, I think that um, I think that this is very this is exposed to all of that. I mean, if you have a crisis, you have a spokesman, if not the president out there every day. Um, you don't. Uh, you have them taking questions. You don't. You have Jen Psaki contradicting herself on a daily basis and functioning with a media that gives her a pass on it because they know if they press too hard, the boat sinks. I, I think I think Psaki yeah. and Biden have been exposed early on as being five foot people in a six foot job. OK, well, then that's Psaki and, and Biden. And per the last five minutes of Kamala Harris. So who is running things? Uh, I Somebody asked me the other day, I said, I think several 30-year-old women from the campaign, Bettingfield and maybe Jen Psaki and maybe that other that other woman, uh, uh, Ron Klain, the chief of staff. I'm guessing, I don't think it's Bernie I'm Sanders or AOC. I'm guessing it's Ron Klain and Susan Rice. I Question for you, aren't you a little surprised how little also Jill Biden is out there, especially during the school crisis. Yeah. I was surprised how muted yeah. she was. Well, she can't be. She did it. She did a class. Did you know that? She taught a class and oh. she had two people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know two. she can't speak Spanish. I know that much. <laughs> I, I think there were two online, maybe. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but it was two. <laughs> is that right? Uh, okay. Okay. Let's go to, let's go to Georgia. Uh, I really vented last night on um your afternoon, my evening on, on the Brett Bear show. Let me just tell you what I said, and you, you don't have to agree with it, but I, I, it's just been a, I've just been tracking it. That just occurred to me about Biden. I, I think he's a knee-jerk liberal of the sort I used to see all the time. I mean, I think I'm in a pretty good position here. I'm from New York. You know, I went to a liberal college, you know, hung around liberals all my life, a degree in philosophy. And, you know, that's pretty liberal. I mean, I, I know the liberal mindset. I married a Southern woman, woman from the South live in North Carolina. That's my official residence. Spent a lot of time here and in Texas. I know the, the liberal knee-jerk reaction to the South. Let me let me just make my case. You remember during the campaign against Romney, Biden went to Virginia and said to an audience, I think it was all black people, they want to put you back in chains. They want to put you back in chains. You remember that, Seth? Very well. Okay. Uh, and then, And now we have Jim Crow on steroids not just Jim Crow, which was horrible. This is worse than Jim Crow, he's saying. Jim he Crow called on... Abbott yeah. on steroids. He, he called Governor Abbott, you know, Governor Abbott's action on, on COVID Neanderthal. And yesterday or day before, he said, hey, to Georgia, you know, smarten up. And this is classic knee-jerk Yankee liberal. South, South, just people aren't very smart. But it is a, what's the word I'm looking for, Seth? It is, it is in the mind of a lot of people in the North that the South, when they think of the South, they think of the pre-Civil War South. And they don't get, and I'll finish what I said yesterday with what I said yesterday, and I said they don't get that what a thriving, interesting, you know, place the South is. It's the place where more kind of traditional American values live and thrive. And if this country is saved, I think it'll be saved by the South. I think he's, a, I think he's an anti-South South, South bigot. Just, just from the evidence that I've cited, plus I, I suggested the following when I opened up. Take video of Biden. 
talking about Georgia and take video of Biden talking about China. Where is their greater contempt and disdain? Watch, watch the video. I don't think there's any question um, that there's, there's more directed at Georgia than at China. China, concentration camps. Nobody's ever had a free vote. I'm, I'm done. Um, you're not. One, you're not. One, one might say the same. One might say the same of, of professional athletics too. Right now, um, would wouldn't one? Uh, no problem dealing with Tencent. No problem uh, having basketball camps in Shenzhen province, which is the heart of darkness in China for concentration camps and slave labor. I think you're right about Joe Biden's prejudice. I think there is a liberal, a cultural liberal imprint of permanent inferiority about the South. I think you've seen it from statements by uh, the Lincoln group during the campaign. Listen, you're right. Joe Biden said it, but so too did Hillary Clinton, even after she lost. She she talked about the places I won were the places moving forward. The places he won were the places moving backwards. That was a slap to the South as well. Um, This is a deep This is a very deep uh, prejudice within the Democratic Party that is used uh, uh, to leverage, obviously, to leverage wokeism over an an entire half of the country. Once you drill down at things, you find some of their policies, including on voting rights, are far more progressive than anything in the Mountain West or the North, A. B, the the other thing you find is that Joe Biden is just a liar. He's just a liar. I, yeah, I, I yeah. was reminded of that quote when John McCain passed. Joe Biden came to Phoenix and gave eulogy for John McCain. And he talked yeah. about how he and John McCain represented a politics that didn't question people's motives, that worked across the aisle, that wasn't afraid to do good work on behalf of the American people beyond what party you were. Uh, irrespective of what party you were. And it was a lie then. This was this was two years or three years after telling Americans that Mitt Romney wanted to put pe- black people in chains. Joe Biden, Joe Biden has never believed anything he said. Uh, the fact that he says he doesn't look like a socialist doesn't tell you very much. You and I have known plenty of socialists that look mighty, mighty capitalist. Um, but the policies are, um, I think, deep far left of anything, the, uh, the 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 moderate Joe Biden of of lore, not your, but of lore represented. Joe Biden isn't left, right, or center by my lights. He's just at the center of wherever the Democratic Party is at any given time. So in the early '70s, he could hang around with uh, you know some of those Southern Democrat segregationists because that's where the party was. In the '80s and '90s, he moved more towards where. The party was Dukakis, Cuomo, Ted Kennedy. And now he's where the party is. And the party is Pelosi, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and Susan Rice. It's a left-wing party, and he's in the center of it. How much of their agenda, let's talk about infrastructure, let's talk about voting, voting rights, or HR1, are they going to get through? Hard to say. I don't know. You're much closer to it than I am. I don't think it takes... I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. They're going to get a chunk. I think it's going to be one... 60 or 175 or something like that. What I think the smart people in the party are probably worried about, probably worried about, is that 
they owe an agenda that they promised to the left and the Democratic Party voters and the anti-Trump factions in this country. But I think deep down they know that not a lot of this is going to stead them well in 2022. I don't think, I think, I think deep down they know that. I think deep down they know that they have their foot on the pedal and the gas pedal and the brake at the same time and aren't sure which to emphasize. I honestly think the smart people in the Democratic Party are thinking that because I think next year's elections are going to far, far outweigh uh, in Republican victories what was seen in in 1994 and 2010. I really do. Partly because while the country has moved left, it hasn't moved that far left. And also because this administration is proving itself to be everything we warned. Remember the guy, Theodore White, who said, my God, he's running his Goldwater, when Barry Goldwater said, extremism, yeah, yeah. defense of liberty is no vice. Well, my God, they're running the socialist playbook here. Yeah, they are. And, and one thing, I, yeah, I'd like you to break this down even further. It's a very interesting statement you just made. Is one thing they have done is united the Republican Party Except for the never Trumpers. I mean, people who, you know, didn't like Trump but voted Republican voted for him. And people who do like Trump, which is most Republicans, they're all united now, right? Was it you and I talking offline about this? Maybe I'm wrong. You have insight on this. More so around Georgia than any single issue I've seen in a long time. Kind of interesting. Uh, the, the the conservative rally and rea- around and reaction to Georgia has been more unified and more prevalent and more ubiquitous than any unification of the conservative yeah. or the Republican Party I've seen over a single issue in a very long time. And I'm trying to yeah. put my finger on what that is, but maybe it's because the lie is so big. The obviousness of the right, uh, the obviousness of the reaction being an overreaction is so, um, is so, uh, is, is so recognizable. I wonder if that's part of it or it's we're just not going to take it anymore. We've had enough. We're not going to take it. I think it's all all of those. I think it's we're not going to take it anymore. It's the lie about what the you know, what the governor and legislature were doing. And I think it was a reaction to how quick these companies folded. Yeah. Lots of and there are lots of and, you know, they just they just just lemming behavior, just joining joining the chorus. Because and using the same press release, it's kind of funny, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that probably in, in a lot of these corporations, uh, companies, there's some of that same retrograde view of the South. Well, you know, there is ironically, in a way, you got two of the most liberal senators in the Senate representing Georgia right now. You know, who's more liberal than Ossoff and, and uh, what's his name, you know, Warnock? No, it is an irony, but you know, the other irony too is. You know, this globalism issue has become so prevalent that I think it's it's as if America was asleep or for the last 20 years. People think of you think these great iconic American companies, Coca-Cola. What's more American than Coca-Cola? It's not an American company really anymore. The president CEO is not an American citizen, does not live here. Um, you know, the, the, the ties between the corporations now and American interests are very much different than they were in the 80s, Bill. Very much different. And they will care, these corporations will care more about market share in countries that actively have child 
labor issues and slavery than they will um, about they, they, they are more ready to ignore that yeah. than they are the fact that part of this country had some of that 150 years ago. It's a very, 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 very self-serving, very amoral position these companies have staked out for themselves. I remember um, you, you and I both worked at Empower America, you remember. And I remember, I don't know if you were there, you know, it predated you or not, but there was a talk that uh, gave, given by Larry Ellison, who's the, you know, the big shot, you know, head of Oracle. Uh, it was probably... 25 years ago, I don't know. And um, he said, the thing that you will see is with globalism is, you know, first of all, huge markets and huge growth for these companies that can sell their goods around the world. He said, also, it'll be great because it will, it will deflate and diminish nationalism, which is a bad thing. And I remember I raised my hand. I said, why do you say it's a bad thing? You know, we, we love America, you know, and you know, we're probably said it will diminish nationalism. Um, that's what you just said, isn't it? It's happened. They don't they don't care um, as much about the country as they do about that profit line yeah. and expanding markets. Yeah. Expanding markets. I mean, almost by definition is you're leaving the country. Yeah. Right. You're leaving the country. That's right. But you don't have to leave the country's values. And, and it's... No, you don't. No, you don't. Right? And it seems to me that um, it would not be hard. We've never really done it, but it would not be hard to send these companies a message by, by, by dint of boycott. If you took every local radio host in America and combined them with every national talk radio host in America, do you realize you could, you could pretty easily and pretty quickly find these companies losing millions of customers? And um, I, I think that would mean something to them. And I don't know what your experience is with this bill, but whenever in the past people have said, oh, we're going to boycott this as a conservative movement or we're going to boycott that, kind of got 50% of the movement saying, well, we don't really like boycotts, really kind of not what we are and who we are and what we do. That's gone. I, I get 100% unan- unanimous calls from conservatives now saying, time to have a serious boycott. Time to truly show them that they can't treat us this way anymore. So you think it's working or will work? That is, you think a lot of people, like 75 million Trump voters, some significant percentage of them, We'll stop buying Coke. We'll seek, try to avoid Delta, now United Airlines, et cetera. Well, I hope it works. We're in virgin territory here because we've not really yeah. ever done it before. I can't think of an example of us having done it or done it successfully before. But I'm just telling you, I've never seen the energy and the unanimous interest in such yeah. I have over the last, say, 10 days. The anger about what they have done, yeah. these companies yeah. and corporations. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Jim Hoagland. Is he still alive? Do you remember him? Washington Post? Remember? Yes. He had that column some years ago you and I kind of liked. And the point was information isn't important when it's discovered. It's important when it's appreciated, accepted. And parts of the conservative movement that, if I'm being fair, you and I haven't always affiliated with, have been warning about this for some time. And the rest of the country hasn't taken the warning as seriously as some of those people pointed out earlier as well. 
And now we are. I think, I think Trump was helpful in exposing it, obviously. And I think more and more people are appreciating just how damaging these corporations are to the American ethos and the American ethic and that they're not really American corporations, or at least they're not corporations that take Americans' interests first and foremost, or America's values. Yeah, I, I, I keep coming back to, I guess I'm just stuck on what I said yesterday. Maybe I'm trying to justify it, but the disdain, the contempt for Georgia is so obviously greater for Biden than anything he would say or feel emote about, talk about in regard to China. Why do you, why do you hate Georgia more than you they hate China? Why would you? You know, and this comes back in part to something we've talked about before. I think you and I were talking was maybe on your show, maybe just offline about the poll that had, you know, Republicans, what's your biggest worry? Election integrity, immigration, et cetera. Biggest worry for Democrats, not QAnon or white supremacists. Number one was Trump voters. There's a, there's a way in which I think a lot of liberals have viscerally more contempt and hatred and dislike of, of people who voted for Trump than they do of uh, Chinese totalitarians. And I think Am I wrong saw, about that? Well, I think you saw some of this, a lot of this during COVID as well. But during the COVID mitigations, you invited me to speak on something and I didn't accept it. And I apologize if I might just turn back to it for a second. And that was the notion of Jim Crow on steroids and Jim Crow 2.0. Obviously... Yeah on steroids or 2.0, you're talking about a more potent version, a stronger version. And while Joe Biden has talked about that, and he has called Texans Neanderthals, and he told Georgians to smarten up using all the tropes that ring very familiar in the ears of the inhabitants of the South, people who live in the South, of course, um, it also exposes perhaps something about Joe Biden and what he doesn't know. In his last major speech, he said the Georgian and Republican election reform laws make Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Remember that line? And everyone kind of wasn't yeah. quite sure what he meant. And it took a little bit yeah, of time to realize he thought Jim Crow was a bird and the eagle is the opposite of the crow. Um, he may not know what Jim Crow is, or he may have forgotten. But I think for a lot of people, and maybe this helps explain the Republican revulsion to the anti-Georgia campaign, too. A lot of people uh, have been um, damn relieved that we got rid of the worst parts of American history that were represented in Jim Crow, the luridities of our history that Jim Crow included, which was anti-miscegenation statutes, which was segregated restaurants, actual laws, actual laws. It was not a corporation's choice. Actual laws that said restaurants could not serve both blacks and whites. It was not up, left up to the restaurant. There were actual laws on the books that mandated that. That's what you're talking about with Jim Crow. The idea that we have made it worse or anything even close to like what Jim Crow was, Bill, is to me just the next step that logically follows from calling Republicans, whether they be Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump, fascists and worse mm. than Hitler. It's, it's the next logical step there of taking the most extreme form of evil in the human conscience evil. and okay. experience and strapping it yep. on and, and taping it on and gluing it on and attaching it to anything considered Republican or conservative. Yeah. 
It's yeah. always the eve of destruction. Things are always the worst they can be. Trump is not, and Reagan is not a conservative. They are fascists. America is not leaning rightward. It is becoming a tyranny. And Georgia is not engaging in election reform. It's becoming Jim Crow 2.0. Always the worst possible form to attach to the Republican uh, image in an effort to taint and shape the American conscience. And as I said, we've reached a point where I think we're just not going to take it anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, can we talk about Ron DeSantis for a minute? I'd love to talk about Ron. I think he's the guy at the moment. I'm a little worried that he's so prominent, <laughs> you know, because the uh, left is targeting him already, obviously, the 60 Minutes thing. And yeah, yeah, not that I don't think he's up to the challenge. The guy is terrific. I've known him a long time. Were, we, were you were you around when we did a lot of Ron DeSantis on radio, or was that after you? I, I regret to say I wasn't. I would have liked to have been in on the okay. ground floor, but I've been happily been getting off on the fifth and sixth floor now. We were um, we were we had him on once a week, Congressman DeSantis. Uh, he's just sharp and clear and uh, helpful, and I you know I got to know him pretty well. Still know him pretty well, and and just they have set their sights on him and. I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, you know, pick up the phone and say, you know, don't react to everything, you know, just just do your job, be quiet, you know, lay low for a while. And there, that may not be an option for him. And again, I'm not saying he's not up to the task, but get it right all the time. I think you said to me the other day when we were talking about this, you said, you know, it's fine. He's, he's been perfect. As long as he's perfect, it's it's fine. <laughs> you perfect every day on that radio show? I certainly wasn't on mine. Um and you know the the glare of the lights. But um, anyway, I'm I'm, I'm, just, I'm I'm just thinking out loud. The guy has done a stunning job in a defending himself, but b governing in Florida. You know they're they're just they're, they're they're after him. I think you said to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth. Maybe they'll back off, having been slapped around pretty hard sixty minutes. I don't think so. I think they'll just come at him with with greater greater energy now that they've been slapped around. They they'll want to take him down even more. Okay, that's I'm I'm interviewing myself. I mean, interview you. Your reaction, please. I think I think there's a lot of wisdom. What I'm thinking is that Ron DeSantis is so extraordinarily so much extraordinarily better than anyone else in the field right now. That yeah, I I, I you got what I said right. He can keep going at this rate, but. What we used to say about our Department of Homeland Security, FBI, and CIA is he has to be right all the time. And that's 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 tough. That's obviously tough. But so far, so good. And more than yeah. that, more than that, he is rushing in where cowards have feared to tread in the Republican Party. There was no yeah. one asking him to come out and make statements on critical race theory. There was no one coming that's correct. Him to make statements about... Um, about and figuring out a way a state could thwart a vaccine passport. I mean, the guy has the courage of Ronald Reagan as governor in 1967 and 1968 when he took on the University of California system. Who does that? Who did that? Well, Reagan did it, and he did it successfully, and that's what made him a national uh, presence as a candidate for president. Ron DeSantis is the same mold, and it's so rare a find that I hope he keeps going, and I hope the entirety of the conservative movement treats him the way they treat Georgia, surrounds him and protects him and defends him. He is, he is, he is so much better than anything else I have seen in politics in a long time. 
and he's got the first thing that we always wish more people had, courage. Yeah, courage is the secret to the rest of the virtues said in the Book of Virtues. It's what enables the other virtues to happen. It's a a three and a half year or more walk in the woods with a huge pack of wolves stalking you and you can't uh, fall asleep at any point. Was it you who told me that you never liked the Mark Twain line, never get in a fight with people who buy ink by the barrel? Did you tell me that you never liked that line? You may or may not have. Um, I, 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 I've commented on it, um, okay, well, but I've disregarded it. I've disregarded yeah, yeah, it all yeah. my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's the point I'm driving at. Too many people think the press is really good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're afraid of them. Uh, they're intimidated by them, and they're not. They're not that good. If, if, if you read any newspaper on any given day, you realize how not good they are. Things they don't tell you, things they mess up, things they mistake. Same with television journalists. So part of me wants to say, while Ron is doing a Herculean job, Ron DeSantis is doing a Herculean job in the attacks that have come his way, eh, maybe it's not that hard. Maybe, maybe he figured out this ain't the hardest job in the world, you know? <laughs> maybe he figured out it's not such a fair fight for them. Uh, well, maybe you're right. I, we'll, we'll see. Um... Well, see, I guess I guess we don't believe, do we, that Trump was done in by the press? I mean, no one no one ever had greater hostility uh, from the press than Donald Trump, and then it worked both ways. He was hostile toward them, and they absolutely hate him, still do, and still would blame him for everything. But they were not his undoing, right? I think the undoing was himself and social media. I think the undoing was uh, Facebook and Twitter. I think that had a far bigger effect on Trump's negatives than the national media. I suppose one might consider them a part of the media, but if we're dividing between mainstream media and new media, social media, uh, big tech media, I think they had a far larger negative Trump impact than NBC or CNN. Because a lot of people, just common sense, a lot of people who turn into CNN are self-selecting, but a lot of people that go on Facebook and Twitter are not, and they get something, and they don't know if it's true or not, and largely it isn't, but they're more susceptible to it. And you combine that with the tremendous voting drives that Facebook engaged in, um, I think that, that had a much larger impact than, um, than Trump's uh, battles, ongoing battles, or give and take and parries with the mainstream. Peter Thiel, a remarkable person, um, smart guy, investor in PayPal and Facebook, <laughs> um, criticized U.S. tech companies for being too close to China. The companies I think you're talking about are at least connected. Apple. Yep. Apple, Facebook, Twitter. You bet. Google. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Criticized uh, Google for its work on artificial intelligence with Chinese universities. He said, which is something uh, we've talked about with our mutual friend, Brian Kennedy, everything in China is a civilian military fusion. So if Google was working with, you know, Chinese companies, they were working with the Chinese military because, uh, they're all always together. Google said claims are baseless. Um, he said Apple is probably the one that's structurally a real problem because the whole iPhone supply chain gets made from China. So you know they need they need uh, they need the Chinese product, or at least they rely on the Chinese product. Um, this is serious stuff. Um, when you have the alignment of you know the Democrat Party, the media, huge corporations, uh, and when we're talking Google and Twitter and Facebook and uh, Apple, we're talking, you know, big, big 
can 75 million Trump voters withstand that, defeat that, beat that? Not just the Trump voters, moderates, people who don't like it. I mean, how serious is, is this alignment of interest? Party, the press, a lot of these big companies. How serious a threat is it to this republic? China and, um, and collusion with is probably the most serious threat this country has faced since before World War II. One of the things we didn't have in the long twilight struggle of post-World War II battles against communism, Soviet Union, one of the things you did not have then is this. You did not have corporations rushing in or in any way, shape, or form, actually, working with the Soviet Union, helping them, helping them monitor helping them expand, helping them infiltrate. There was none of that. Indeed, in fact, you will recall, even the unions in America were anti-Soviet in those days. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, sure were. That is a big difference from where we are now with a country that I think is far more successful than the Soviet Union, far more intelligent, far more aggressive, and now they have American corporations on their side, so much so that the American corporations will defer to them over and against American interests. Let's go back to professional sports. All Daryl Morey did was say, let's stand up, Houston, gen, then general manager of the Houston Rockets, let's stand up for the people of Hong Kong. Well, the NBA and Tencent put a, put a stop to that right away. We can't even stand up for the people in other countries want to uh, celebrate freedom and defend against communism. Uh, Daryl Morey had to apologize for saying that. Pretty pretty incredible when you think about that kind of pressure. There was none of that yeah. during the long twilight struggle. Um, Soviet Union didn't have professional athletics and major American corporations. Yeah, yeah. That's a big difference. Fair enough, yeah. You know, yeah, we're giving them a lot of, we're making a lot of rope for them, right? Yeah, I think so. And I don't know that it started with China. Vague story you may recall a few years ago, you know, the battles, continual battles the FBI has to engage in with companies like Apple when a terrorist is arrested or a suspected yeah, terrorist. Yeah. And Apple yeah. doesn't want to grant the FBI access to their information. These are not companies on the side of America, which quite frankly tells me they're not companies on the side of civilization. What you have going on in Shenzhen, Bill, is... Worse than the heart of darkness. You have, in, 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 in that province in China, you literally do have slave labor. You did literally do have um, plowing downs of neighborhoods and houses. You literally do have disappearances of families. How anyone can turn a blind eye to this. This is far worse than what was going on in Darfur which was uh, the cause celeb, what, circa 03, 04, 05, and did have celebrities, in fact, involved in that cause, if I can do that with that sentence. There is nothing like that going on right now because China quashes it and American corporations are happy to go along and cover it up, much like during the Holocaust, uh, Germans were willing to put up Potemkin villages in front of the death camps and international organizations were willing to go along with the bad joke um, that these were that these were not concentration camps, but uh, nothing more than breads and circuses and fairs and piccadillies. Um, that's what's happening now, proving 
to me, yet again, that the biggest lie to come out of the 20th century was the phrase never again. It's not true. It's happening now. Uh And and no one gives a damn about it, except about eight talk radio hosts and 70 million people who voted for Trump. Is there a single Hollywood celebrity who's made this a cause? Kind of. Once upon a time, you heard something from Richard Gere now and again. But that mostly huh. had to do with Tibet. To his credit, great. Yeah, and, and Buddhism. To his credit, yeah, great. Yeah. To his credit, great. But um, not now. You know why? You know why? Brian is good on this. Brian Kennedy's great on this. Because China owns so much of Hollywood that when Hollywood makes a movie with a Chinese villain, they stop it. Yeah. You didn't have that so, during the Soviet Union era either. Do you remember all those anti-Soviet movies in the 80s? Remember great TV sure. shows that were anti-communist? Sure. That's a big difference, too. Sure. So could we prevail? I don't know. Can the good guys prevail? I, I don't no. know. I don't know. But now yeah. is that time. And kicking this can any further is every, is it every, every day we kick a can down the road on China is a battle China has won. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. Wasn't very Thank optimistic. You. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. No, it's, it's good. It's great. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. Like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast.gmail.com. Share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. Next week.